0: What's going on, Sports Nation? Welcome to Game Breakers, the sports show, where we will be breaking down news that's relevant in the sports world. It shows Edwin, and guys. Yes, I know what time it is, man. Uh, at the time of this recording, it is now... Actually, I won't tell you guys. It's a surprise. <laughs> but anyways, it's pretty late. Point being is that it's pretty late, and this may or may not be released either today, which is Friday, or in the morning on Saturday, so you guys can have a fresh morning and listen and wake up to hear Game Breakers and your boy Eddie speak, but I hope everyone is doing great out there. I hope that everyone is doing their thing, being proactive, uh, doing what they need to do to get through the week. It is Friday, Freaky Friday, however you want to call it, so we are finally here, but the weekend is here, and after a long, stressful week, I must say that I am in need of a long break. Just kidding, because we don't take breaks out here. We take power naps. Just kidding. We don't even take power naps. You know what we do? We just stay up all day, all night, and grind. Just kidding. <laughs> but anyways, guys, guys, I'm just playing too much, man. Anyways, let's get straight into it, because you know me. Get down to my business. Get down to my my stuff. Let's get straight into football. And there you have it for I'm, I'm going to get to this rumor habit right now. Um, It's not confirmed yet, but because it is very likely to happen, it's a favorite to happen, that is the only reason why I'm talking about this right now because the Rams offensive coordinator, Kevin O'Connell, is expected to be the Vikings' next head coach. Now, if this move falls through, then we will do another segment on the Vikings on their new head coach. But aside from O'Connell, I don't really see any other potential target being listed, who they really are enamored by, and who they really want to take over this franchise next season. Jim Harbaugh is now going back to Michigan, so he is done. I thought that he would be a great fit, and apparently they had a long interview, like apparently nine-hour long interview. That is insane. I could be wrong, but I thought that would be the best fit. It looked like it was going to be, but he decided to go back to Michigan to coach another year, so we'll see how that goes Maybe that itch that I thought he would have coming back into the NFL wasn't going to be dismissed, but apparently it was dismissed enough for him to go back, so we'll see. But for my guy, Kevin O'Connell, so he's a former Browns QB coach, a former 49ers offensive assistant, a former now commanders QB coach slash passing game coordinator, and now this year is with the Los Angeles Rams in the Super Bowl. Now we have it. Now let's go through the list to see exactly what are the Vikings potentially getting in Kevin O'Connell. Okay, I'm gonna start actually from 2017 because he was a passing game coordinator, which means that his that's his strength. QBs passing that is his strength. When he had the likes of uh Kirk Cousins in 2017. This team was actually not that bad in the passing game. 12th overall in the passing game. All right. Um, For the rest of the years, it's been kind of poor. And I'm not going to blame that all on him because of the QB play that he did have. I mean, the next year he had Alex Smith, Alex Smith. um, And that year they ranked 28th in passing yards, but that was the year when Alex Smith was trying to make his comeback. You know, the feel good story that he had, which was great by the way. Um, But he was pushing on helping the team make some uh, nice wins and, and it was a nice thing to watch but they were still poor in the passing game. He started 10 games that year. And the next year after that, which is his last year was Case Keenum starting that year, uh they were ranked dead last. And say what you want about Case Keenum, I get it. We all cannot forget about that year in which the Vikings had him as a head uh and uh starting QB and he led them to that miraculous uh nice uh, NFC championship game, uh, mostly Stefan Day is not that him, but you know, he, he did command the team, he did lead them to a, a great record, and that was probably the best year the Vikings have had in a long time compared to now. So, but we all do know that Case Kingdom's level or his ceiling as a, as a QB is pretty much borderline game manager, uh, Baker Mayfield ish or Baker Mayfield esque, for that matter, basically the same player for me. Um, he's not really going to give the, the the team a boost, not going to get the job done in terms of making big plays consistently to win a game. He's made big plays in the past, but not consistent enough to warrant him being a starter uh, for any other team outside of the Washington Commanders or Redskins at the time. And now he's with the backup uh, Brown. So that year, they're pretty atrocious. But my guy O'Connell goes to the Rams and he has a top 10 offense. Top 10 offense ranked ninth overall. And the passing yard is not really the best this year, Um, but top 10 offense as an OC. That's pretty good. Now, whatever you want to say in regards to him having Matthew Stafford, Cooper cup um, for the most part of the year, Robert Woods, uh, Van Jefferson, obviously over there, uh, not much of a running game, but when it was there, there were Henderson, Sony Michelle, you know, they had some pieces. there. had a decent offensive line, uh, but the point is he had a lot of pieces to make up for that ninth overall offense. Now, the question is, can he really produce out of teams who don't have these kind of pieces, who don't have a Matthew Stafford, who don't have the best receiver in all of football right now in Cooper Cup, who didn't have complementary receivers in Robert Woods and Van Jefferson? The uh, running game wasn't really that that special, to be honest, but it was there. Um, But that offense has led them to being <clears> – <throat> in the Super Bowl this year. It's pretty damn good. It's pretty damn good. And I just wonder how he would have fared with actually Jared Goff at the helm, but didn't have to worry about that because Matthew Stafford is there. Good for him. But now that he's about to go to the Vikings, assuming that this deal goes through, what type of impact will he bring to this team? Well, for one, I did mention that this was, to me, the best best coach opening or the best head coach opening for – uh, any guy coming into the job because Vikings have a lot of talent, probably more more talent than the most teams that were in need of a head coach. Uh, obviously, you don't say whatever you want about Kirk Cousins, but he is uh, a guy who can get the job done, in my opinion. He's had a fantastic season this past year. And, you know, I guess you could say that he doesn't stand up in the big games, but for whatever it is, I will say this. You put him on that Tennessee Titans game, you put him as a starting QB for the Titans – they definitely, for me, make it to the Super Bowl. Uh, but that's just near here, near, neither here or there. Um, but aside from Kirk Cousins, I, obviously Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, they must be able to beef up that offensive line. Now, I do like Christian Derisaw, uh, but they have to put more pieces there to really solidify the offensive line. But for the most part, it's a good run-blocking offensive line. The passing game is a little bit shaky. Uh, but they have tools there. So what will happen? Obviously, it's a new head start with him and Mensah there at the fold. So they're working in a good direction. Uh, But what you want to see him do is pretty much command the team from the jump. Um, He has to be able to command the respect. Uh, Aside from his years with Washington and the Rams this past year, don't really know too much about how he will impact teams or how much respect he has garnered over the league. Uh, But I do know that a fresh start, uh, for the Rikings is a plus and on top of that him coming into this job he'll have a new owner i mean a new gm uh and pretty much be able to work together to form a plan that would be successful and conducive to winning for this team in the future and getting back into the playoffs where they have missed the playoffs the past two years so it's definitely doable definitely doable but um it's a nice start uh i don't really expect him and the team to get off running I would be surprised if that happens because, obviously, you know, guys, it's a new process, a new environment. It's a new philosophy, it's a new scheme. What does that mean? It means that this team, regardless of how much talent I just stated before on the offensive side of the football, they need time to gel with the philosophy that he's going to run and the scheme, pretty much. But you never know. They could possibly be a team that's obviously in the runnings for a playoff spot and maybe push enough to get a playoff spot next season. Uh, But I do like the move. Um, You have to find a way to keep your offense relevant. Uh, I'm not sure. Defense, yeah, getting a defensive head coach would have been a good move as well, too. Um, Maybe Brian Flores, definitely. Um, Getting a guy like Gerard Mayo could have helped that defense a lot because defense still has some type of holes that may not be enough to keep them in games just as of yet. They have a nice, exciting defensive line, but they need more help in that phase um, of the side of the ball. Um, but for the most part, though, I do like Kevin O'Connell, and we'll see how he progresses and develops if and only if this deal goes through. It's not confirmed yet, but all I know is that he is a favorite and they love him a lot. So I do expect them, whatever happens with the Super Bowl with the Rams, doesn't matter for him. Um, they come down to business after the Super Bowl, so we'll see how that goes. Now, moving on to a really interesting hire, uh, Doug Peterson is going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay. So let me start by saying that whatever fallout he's had in the past, especially with the Philadelphia Eagles, should not warrant him not getting another opportunity to coach in the NFL or to coach for a team that needs a head coach. You know, Um, let's not forget, I mean, it's not the best record, but he did have a 42 and 37 and one record in five seasons, did make the postseason three times. Uh, that's not too bad. And also did win a Super Bowl in that span as well, too. Um, obviously, we get the controversy with him benching Jalen Hurts at that last game against Washington and then, you know, putting in Nate Sudfield and then giving the Washington football team at the time pretty much the win to get into the playoffs and Giants fans were mad as hell. We get all that. A lot of scrutiny um, and also the fallout between him and the front office about whether or not they should keep his staff, which he wanted to keep him, but they didn't want to keep him. Yeah, uh, I basically got mad at them telling him what to do. Blah 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 blah. But here we are, Jacksonville. Okay, the biggest thing for Jacksonville is, yes, you want to go with a coach that you may want to give a chance to to see if he can develop into a good, outstanding, uh, you know, good. Uh, I say good, good again, good, outstanding, uh, smart, efficient coach. But going with Doug Peterson isn't a bad thing to do. It really isn't. I mean, you have to get a guy who knows how to win. He's done that in the past. That's check. Uh, two, who can handle big-name QBs, quote-unquote. He's had Carson Wentz. He's had Jalen Hurts. May not have been the best way to handle them, but he's had uh, some uh, some connections with these QBs in the past, so that's two. And three, uh, you want to make sure that you have a coach who is a veteran, and can lead a roster that needs a lot of help lead needs a lot of uh, assisting a lot, a lot of surgery to help out that roster and to make sure that it pushes on to be uh, somewhat competitive next season. But I don't like the, I think it's a bad, I think it's a good move. I, I don't think it's a bad move is what I'm going to say, but you know, it's, it's nice steady. It's not too bad. Um, He will get to work with Trevor Lawrence. He has no state tax in Jacksonville. It's a nice place. Um, a patient owner, all of these things similar to what, Urban Meyer was going to go through uh, this season. And, uh, you know, obviously he's supposed to be last season as well too, but he had that little, well, I want to say little, but it was terrible. Big, uh, stint, multiple mistakes, and he just was not the man for the job. And it just portrayed Jacksonville as, once again, a circus house, um, signing T- T- uh, Tim Tebow, you know what I'm saying, doing kicking the kicker, all that nonsense. Just portraying this team as another circus, And for Doug Peterson, next season is going to be trash as well, too. I really don't expect, once again, this team to kick off, especially since they are in a worse state than the Vikings I just mentioned before. Yeah, they're going to struggle a lot. But there should be a difference between this year and last year. One, Trevor Lawrence should look better. Two, the whole team should just be more competitive and should be more disciplined to winning more games this season. That's the biggest thing want to find a way to win more games. And if you could do that with a veteran head coach or a coach who's been here long enough, like Doug Peterson, you have a shot at doing that. You know, this team hasn't won or hadn't winning a season since, what, 2017, Blake Borders' a- AFC Championship game on the Fournette? Yeah. Saxonville defense? Yeah. But um, to get back to those levels and to those heights, um, the best bet may be to go with a coach who knows how to win football games. And – who knows how to deal with QBs. Now, I'm not sure exactly how he's going to deal with Trevor Lawrence. That will be remain to be seen. But if it does happen properly where he's able to get the best out of Trevor Lawrence or at least get some type of progression towards being the star QB, the generational QB that we all thought he would be uh, come this season, then it's a big bonus and it's a big step forward for the team. And now you can look at keeping him. Now you can look at strengthening the squad. Now you can look at bringing in. Uh, more key players, Uh, now it depends on the GM drafting the right players. It all comes down to it. But sooner or later, you get this sense of this team moving from the mud where it has been in the past to now finding some type of hope into the next seasons. So it's not a bad offer. It's not a bad offer. It's not a bad uh, hire for me. And in the past, his offenses have finished uh, top 10 in yardage once and top 10 in points three times. It's not bad at all. It's not really bad at all. So depending on how he's able to at least uh, do the groundwork, lay a foundation, find a way to make sure that the team is doing the basics right. Because a lot of the things that killed this team last year was not just because they were poor on offense, uh, not because they didn't have the talent, but because they just made stupid mistakes, stupid mistakes. And obviously that comes down to um, a lot of a lot of things. Uh, Trevor Lawrence making some rookie mistakes. He had to suffer the growing pains, but he just added on to the whole entire team's uh loss and the embarrassment that they faced last season. Um, the fumbles, you know, the penalties, not that great of a team. And if you are a bad team, you have to at least do the basics right. You have to. You can't you can't leave out those. So that is the only way they're gonna get that you're gonna get a chance to win the football game for me. And they didn't even do that. So the biggest thing is. Doing the basics, right. That's the first thing. And second, now you can find a way to mix up a lot of schemes, a lot of play calling. Make sure that they are in the right position. Get the most out of Trevor Lawrence. You have Travis, Travis, etn coming back. Um, James Robinson is still going to be there. Uh, you know, you're going to have these exciting parts to your offense and probably defense as well, too. You know, and we'll see how that goes. But um, I do like the hire. I do like Doug Peterson and. Once again, it's patience here. It's patience. This is not a one-year project. It's not a two-year project, probably. Three-year, maybe pushing it. But by year three, if he's still here, we have to see immense progress. That's all it is, guys. Progress every year. Progress every year. It's going to be a tough task for Doug Peterson to do because of how terrible this team has been. But if there's any other potential head coach on the market aside from him that can do the job, which I think Brian Floyd could have done, um, then it's probably Doug Peterson for me. Probably Doug Peterson. Yes. All right. Now, let's get into some basketball talk. Yes, sir. Oh, my gosh, man. I love it here. I really, really love it here. So we have some movement. We have some movements, guys. Here we go. Some trades happening in the NBA. Hey, I love it. Okay, now the biggest trade that happened today came between these two teams, Clippers and Trailblazers. Um, so what went down is the Clippers sending over Keon Johnson, Justice Winslow, Eric Bledsoe, and a second round pick to acquire from the Trailblazers <laughs> Robert Covington and Norman Powell. Wow. Okay, so what does this mean for both teams? All right, let's start with the Clippers because they made the the more moves in this trade and they are now getting guys like Robert Coverton. So this team already ranks uh, ranks 7th in defensive efficiency. It ranks 10th in opponent's points per game. And despite all of that, this team is only, what, I believe 7th in the West right now, if I'm not mistaken. Let me just double-check that. Yes, yes, yes. They are 8th in the West. Sorry, 8th in the West right now. 27-27. After that nice, uh, great uh, back-to-back uh, scoring by them and the win against Lakers last night. But we'll talk about that later. Uh, but <clears throat> this team is struggling to score the basketball. Not that great offensively at all. Just, eh, for the most part. It's pretty even, uh, you know. They get this; they give up one hundred and six points. They score 106 points. It's not too bad. Uh, but if we want to look at how this team performs, I must say. Also, by the way, before we get into this trade, Tyloo is doing a fantastic job of at least keeping this team afloat because not having Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, is a big loss. And sometimes we forget about that. We forget about how this team is performing and how sometimes they could play bad basketball. But we also forget about their star players missing and the reason for them playing this uh, sort of band together, disorganized at times, but us against the world basketball. And it's been proven in the past couple of seasons when they had big injuries to Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. But right now this team ranks 25th in point score. That is not good at all. Okay, so offensively, Norman Powell is the guy. I love Norman Powell. I really do. What does he do? He's a scorer. He's a backcourt scorer, and he's efficient at doing so. I think everywhere he's went from Toronto to uh, uh, Portland has been exceptionally well, like he has contributed well and he has also developed into a nice scoring piece off the bench. So when called upon, he has done his job this year, averaging 18.7 points per game, not too bad. Um, and when it comes down to it, however, you want to play the lineup, you bring in Norman power right now to start maybe at the two, all right, And then when Paul George comes back, you put him down on the bench. That's fine. He's, a, he's usually a bench guy anyway and making his most bread off the bench. So him coming up and doing that would be a great thing for the Clippers. But right now they need scoring. Right now no Paul George, no Kawhi Leonard. So they need help at the, at the end. And from the looks of it, having guys like Justice Winslow, who we'll get to in a moment, uh, Eric Bledsoe, even Keon Johnson, who is a project rookie, Um, wasn't helping them in that regard. So uh, right now, I love the move. That is a great move by the Clippers to get Norman Powell. Now Robert Covington. 3 and D never goes extinct, people. It never goes extinct. And it probably will never go extinct. Um, So Robert Covington will always, these Robert Covington types of players will always have a role in every team. Always. Because you always need defense and you always need shooting. Robert Covington only averaging 7.6 points uh, this season. Not too shabby, but that's not his biggest thing. The big thing is he's coming on to a team that is already top 10 in defensive efficiency and top 10 in points allowed. That is phenomenal. They just got meaner on defense. People don't understand how great of a move this actually is. Because having Robert Coverton, now you have a versatile defender, a guy who can hold his own. The Portland Trailblazers, they had, that was his best defender. That was their best defender, sorry. Robert Covington. Now he's gone. Now they have to rely on guys like Justice Winslow and Eric Bessel, who Well, not terrible defenders, uh, but for me, this season definitely not better than Covington. So now that's gone, and that defense for the Clippers. Now you get to one, be more defensive, limit uh, teams to uh, uh, little scoring, and two, on top of that, you know have the occasional three here and there. Um, not the biggest offensive threat in the world, but can do his thing. No, I'll never forget when he was with the Philadelphia 76ers in the playoffs, he was just killing us, killing us in the playoffs with the three. You know, that year they won in five against my heat. But that's the other hero there. The point is, he is a guy who is long, lanky, athletic, uh, can switch from uh, pretty much, for me, the two to the four. uh, And now you have a chance to play small ball lineups, uh, whether you want to play him, Zubak. Um, not him, him, uh, Batum, you know, uh, Terrence Mann, now you have Rich Jackson, you have Norman Powell. That would be a best lineup for me, for a small ball lineup. But obviously, Zubak is out, so uh, he's not going to be there for some time. But when he comes back, still you have more depth at that front court, uh option. So now it's good. It's pretty good to have. We look at Robert Covington and the way he's been able to defend, not really much at an elite level, but solid enough to hold his own and to make an impact in the game. That is what I love about Robert Coverton. And the Clippers, for me, they are winners here. They're probably the winners of the trade. Because you get in guys like Norman Powell, who, by the way, can contribute immediately. These guys that they got can contribute immediately. And it helps out both phases of the offense and defense for them. So now, this will be a great thing for them. But for the Blazers, who here comes the head scratches for me. So... Let's get into, first off, the contract situation between these two guys, right? Forget about uh, Keon Johnson because he's a rookie right now. He's pretty much a young guy. Um, He's going to have his contract dispute in the future. Uh, But we have Winslow and we have Bledsoe. Bledsoe's contract is not fully guaranteed, but that expires. Um, That is is pretty much uh, contract over in, in that sense in 2022 slash 2023 and winslow's contract expires next season so the question is making this trade for these two players or these three players for that matter um because we all know that immediate contributors i am assuming that it will be winslow and bledsoe at the moment making this trade do you intend to tie them down maybe not but on top of that do you intend to at least make a run right now with the squad that you have in hopes of making the playoffs and also making a deep run in the playoffs? That is the biggest question. And when I look at guys like Justice Winslow, he's, for me, he's he's not too bad. Like, he's serviceable. A guy who can come off the bench, play some okay defense. Um, I say okay because it's kind of regressed for me in the past, but he still gives effort. Um, and Bledsoe, who is not the best scorer anymore, He's pretty much past his age. He's 32 years of age. He's, you know, he's pretty much done. But another extra ball handler, I guess, if you be it, you know, not too bad. Come off the bench. Uh, But um, if you want to make a run with these guys, I'm not sure if that's the best situation to be in, fam. I'm not going to lie. You know, and they must be kicking rocks, to be honest, because right now those guys are, in my opinion, unfortunately, no disrespect, but downgrades to... Norman Powell and Robert Covington. Maybe this move is just to free up some space and to uh, free up the contract and to hopefully make a run in the off season. That could be a a solution, you know, because you get them, you probably use them for the season, the rest of the season, and then you extend towards becoming players in the off season, trying to get the big fish in the off season, trying to make the most money off of the, uh, the players who could do the most work for you in the off season. That is the biggest thing. But for right now, Justice Winslow, I mean, three ball is not really there anymore, but it's there, you know, Uh, when it comes to offense, his whole total, total package, I mean, he's a slasher in a way. Defender, okay, he's okay at defending. We already know that Bledsoe is not the best scorer anymore. He's only scored 20 points five times this season, not that great. Um, But uh, when he was in his prime and when he was balling out, he was okay at scoring the basketball defense. Not really the biggest or the best, but he does try still. Obviously, you have to give credit to these guys trying. Um, but the biggest thing is um, who is the winner and loser of this trade? Obviously, it is the Clippers um, because Dame has not to deal with these guys. And also going to Keon Johnson, a guy who's a project player, a guy who needs time to develop, a guy who saw little action against uh, any team so far this season with the Clippers. You know, only called upon him pretty much when there was injuries, which is understandable because he is a rookie slash young guy slash, you know, developmental player slash project guy. <laughs> but um, he needs time. And apparently, looking at the film, looking at what he's done this season, he's pretty explosive. A guy who can develop into a high motor, Derek Jones. Maybe not, I'm not talking about athleticism here, but I'm talking about a guy who can, you know, make layups, who can develop into a nice package on offense. You never know. But... Dame needs players to win now. Now, now now. McCullum needs players to win now. Mostly about Dame though. Uh, but you know, these guys, I'm not sure they're the best fits to help this team win now. But in regards to this team's depth, it does help out with the team's depth. I will say that. Kind of. In a way. You get three instead of two now. So <laughs> you know, uh, take it however you want. But in the past, we have questioned the want for the Trailblazers to develop team depth and to hopefully give guys minutes off the bench who can contribute in key situations. in the past, that has not been the case. It's been mostly a seven-man lineup in the playoffs, eight-man lineup at the most, and you have to rely on guys to play 40 minutes plus a game. Pretty much that same seven lineup. Now, the bonus is they have Alfred e. Simons playing well. I mean, I'll go back to what I said before earlier on in the season and I was wrong. Once again, I will admit I was wrong. Um, I did say that I did not expect him to contribute and to be able to maintain this high level of offensive scoring this season, uh, especially until this point. And he has proved me wrong by that. Um, obviously, having players who are injured, having Dame who's injured, CJ McCullum who's injured, gives him more opportunities to do so. So maybe that is playing into a role as to why he's, getting all these touches and scoring more points. But I think he was pretty much doing that before they got injured anyway, or he was getting into that role of doing that anyway. So I really can't say that, Um, but he's doing well. Uh, You also have Nassir Little. So he's becoming a guy into his own, uh, slashing the basket, rebounding the ball. Um, Also another thing that that would be missed for the Blazers this, uh, this season, rebounding. Robert Covington was a good rebounder, average five per game, not bad for his size. That would be missed too. Uh, Justice Winslow. Eric Bledsoe, not the best rebounders in the world. Um, But for what it's worth, they still have depth. You know, they still have guys who can come in, not terrible players. Winslow and Bledsoe, not terrible enough to not be played in the game, especially with the roster that the Blazers have right now. So (laughs) they could definitely come on and give a couple of minutes here and there. But the biggest thing, the biggest thing is, can this team make a run with the players that they do have now? I think not. Um, but we already saw that. I mean, right now they're struggling, they're 10th in the east. Um, for what that's worth, it's not terrible because this team for me wasn't expected to do too much this season. But right now, they're 21 and 31, that is 10 games b- below 500, 20.5 games behind first place. Doesn't really matter at this point for that, but I'm just saying, just to you know, keep the stats up there. <laughs> uh, uh, but if they want to be able to make the playoffs or the play in for that matter, they are well-positioned for that. Both teams are at this moment. Um, the Clippers, I think they will find a way to now uh, leapfrog the Timberwolves, maybe compete with the, uh, the Nuggets, probably not. But the Tims, for me, possibly if they want to find a way to avoid that playing spot. Um, but that is not possible, possible because Norman Powell and Robert Coverton give you those key minutes to now be flexible within the offense and defense to make these kind of plays. Uh, but the for, for the Blazers, I mean, right now, New Orleans is on their heels. Right now, the Spurs are on their heels. So what these moves do is pretty much keep them around that same area. Maybe contend with the Lakers for the ninth seed. Maybe eighth seed, depending on how things go. Uh, but I don't really see them really improving too much from this deal at all. Not for me at all. No. But the Clippers, though, good move for them good move for them. I love it. I love it a lot. All right, here we go. Now, guys, 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 guys. By the way, for those who are counting at home, the Nets are actually open to a Harden trade. Can you believe that? So a couple of episodes before talking about how they will keep Harden, not keep him, but like how Harden will uh, decline his option and become a free agent next season, possibly. Now, this team is saying to itself, well, we want to find a way to get the most value for impossible. And to do that, we have to trade them. We have to be open to trade them. We have to listen to offers. And now that they have done that, the biggest thing is them being open to trading Carter. Now Philadelphia is going to come beckoning in for that, man. Seriously, because, I mean, they didn't want to move Ben Simmons before because they didn't want to be able to have a low offer for, the ben simmons that they have right now and you know he is despite him uh not playing this season and acting like a baby and you know being toxic whatever the case may be he still has trade value and somehow some way if the nets decide to agree to a trade that would send Harden to <laughs> philadelphia and simmons to freaking brooklyn wow well that all is a possibility now that it's possible and doable because of the net's being open to trade Harden. Now, all of this would not have been possible if they wanted to keep him, but let's we'll see what happens. I mean, you never know what could happen. I've, I've seen crazier things happen before. Crazier, crazier things happen before. And this team, as it stands right now, is falling down in the Eastern rankings. rankings. So um, I'm not sure that trading Harden would be the best option for them. For me, they just, they, they just have to get healthy. Obviously, you have KD who's injured right now. But, I mean, we'll see what happens. I don't think it'll happen. But it's a nice piece of evidence, a nice piece of news to talk about, you know. And also, another team that's in for Simmons, we already knew this, you know. Uh, Wolves open to Simmons and Harris. Okay, so Wolves have to discuss trade packages involving these two players. Something that the the Seven Sixers have wanted in the past. They wanted to include Harris and Simmons in deals to kind of make sure that they get the the most bang for the buck type of thing. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Once again, another piece of news that's pretty interesting, but not too much for me because we already know that these two teams or this team, Philadelphia, has been circling around the trade deadline every freaking day, man. It's, it's every day. Nothing changes for me. No movement. Ben Simmons is going to stay. We want to trade him, but he's going to stay. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blee. But it's not too bad. Not too bad, you know. But if he does find a way to move to uh uh Timberwolves to the Timberwolves to Minnesota, it'll be really interesting to see exactly what is given up in those deals to possibly acquire Ben Simmons. But guys, here we go once again, just talking more and more about Ben Simmons. I'm sorry about the talk about Ben Simmons. I know you hear about him every day, and now you have to come in the podcast to hear about me talk about him again, but it's news, it's important and it will be talked about here on game breakers. Now, let's move into some NBA score lines and predictions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, with last night's results, we had a pretty nice affair starting off with my team the Heat uh blowing out the Spurs 112 to 95. A short-handed Spurs by the way, you know, no Deonte Murray. My guy, no Deontay Murray, so that's pretty much the reason why they got blown out pretty bad. But, you know, still can't take away from the result that my he did on the road. Uh, It's also a place that we don't really win too often at. So winning there the past two seasons has been pretty good for me. I I will say that. But for those who are counting, a double-double for Bam, 18 points, 11 rebounds, 17 points from Duncan Robinson. There you go, my boy. There you go. There you go. Keep on going. Keep on going. 17 for Jimmy Butler. Eight for P.J. Tucker. And despite him only having two points, welcome back my guy, Kyle Lowry. Yes, I did mention to you guys before that he is a big miss for this team. And I wouldn't say that was the reason why we lost these kind of games against the Raptors, the Hawks. Um, you know, I uh, forget, I'm drawing a blank here. But I think it was the Raptors twice, to be honest. Uh, But, oh, the Celtics, too, the Celtics. They got blown out against the Celtics. Uh, But... Um, he is a big, big, big bonus on the court when he is on the court and is healthy, so kudos to him. And off the bench, 24 points from Tyler Harrow, six man of the year, six man of the year. All right, for the Spurs, 22 points from Devin White, 16 from my guy Trey Jones, and we have seven apiece from everybody on the starters. We have Thaddeus Young, Kelden Johnson, and Devin Vassell, seven apiece. Not too bad, I guess you could say. Uh, but in the end, the Spurs fall to 19 and 34. He improved to 33 and 20. Lakers and Clippers. Actually, I'll save that game for last because it was a nice game. Last game of the night, too. Uh, I'll go Bulls and War and Bulls and Raptors. Sorry. Bulls lose on the road in OT 120 to 127. Clutch, clutch tip in by Scotty Barnes to send the game into OT. There you freaking have it. And once again, I mean, we already kind of know how this team plays basketball based off of the way I speak about them and based off the way I read these score lines because they just play uh, a basketball, a style of basketball that is well run. It's community-based, and there's one guy can go off, but for the most part, they need the whole team to score to win these games. And that's what happened again. The whole starting lineup scored once again, double figures. 25 from Pascal Siakam, 13 boards. He should have been into the All-Star by just saying 21 a piece 21 a piece by three players actually and Anobi, Scotty Barnes and Fred VanVleet and 16 off and uh, 16 also for Gary Trent Jr. Oh a bit of an off night for a guy who's dropped 33 points uh 30 plus points the past couple of games but whatever 16 off the bench for Chris Boucher. Um the biggest thing for this team though they need depth. They need a lot of depth. Because as good as their starting lineup is as scrappy as they are I mean running a Six, seven-man lineup would not prove to be good enough in the playoffs if they do make it in the playoffs. I mean, all you have right now is Chris Boucher off the freaking bench. You not? I, I don't see any guys that scare me. Maybe Precious or Chua? Probably not. But anyways, for the Bulls, every starter scored in double figures as well 228 points from DeMar DeRozan, six rebounds, seven assists, 13 for uh Devontae Green, 30 points, 30 points. Have yourself a day. 30 points, 18 boards for Nikola Vucevic. 15 for Zach Levine and 11 for Ayo sumo And 16 off the bench from Kobe White. Okay, now we have the Hawks and the Suns. The Suns have not defeated the Hawks uh, at Atlanta in the past. How many games now? Can you believe that? But still coming with the best record in the NBA on the road, still couldn't get the job done. Losing on the road, 115 to 124. Not for the Hawks. 43 freaking points from Trey Young, 13 for... Uh, my guy, Hunter, uh, we have 19 from John Collins, who did leave in the fourth with an injury, but he did play really well, 10 boys as well, too. 19 points for Kevin Hoarder, and 12 off the bench from Danilo Gallinari. Now for the Suns, we had 24 points from Mikel Bridges, 18 for Chris Paul, 32 for Devin Booker, and 10 for Jay Crowder, 12 and 13 off the bench for JaVale McGee and Cam Johnson. Okay, Tims and Pistons, 128 one for the Tims to the Pistons on the road uh, so we have every starter scoring in double figures, 25 points from Anthony Edwards. Also should have been a star for the NBA All-Star, uh, was not called. Call Anthony Towns, 21 points, 14 boys, not bad for my guy. 10 points from my guy, uh, Jaden McDaniels. Uh, we also do have 13 and 11 from Vanderbilt and Pat Bev. Pat Bev, once again, efficient scoring, 50% shooting and 10 points. Guy's balling. Got to give him respect. Guy's balling. And off the bench, though, 23 points from Torian Prince and 18 from Malik Beasley. Now, Malik Beasley off the bench, okay, not bad. But Torian Prince has been making some moves lately off the bench. Not bad for him. Not bad. Also, efficient shooting, 5 for 6 from 3. All right, for the Pistons, Detroit basketball. I mean, what else can you say about this team, to be honest? 20 points from Jeremy Grant. 21 points from Sadiq Bey. 10 points from Isaiah Stewart. And, you know, seven and six apiece from Corey Joseph and Rodney Magruder. Magruder's still in the league. My guy. 25 points off the bench from Fred Jackson and 13 from Trey Lyles. All right. Now we have the Kings and the Warriors. Warriors playing some Warrior basketball. My goodness, man. But Klay Thompson, eight of 11, seven of nine from three, 23 points, five rebounds, seven of sense. I'm so happy like a proud dad, man. I'm so happy for my guy, Clay Thompson, man. Seriously. 20 points from Steph Curry. Efficient shooting as well, too. 10 points from Kevon Louie. 12 points from Andrew Wiggins. Not Aaron Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins. 18 points from Jonathan Kaminga. 8 of 10 shooting. Wow. There's only two misses were from three. Can you believe that? 14 points from Damian Lee and 12 off the bench from Jordan Poole. Every guy scored efficiently. Last night, 56% shooting from the field from the Warriors and for the Kings. Not bad a shooting night for them too, but obviously they couldn't keep up with the Warriors and their offense. 25 for Harrison Barnes, former Warrior. 18 for Mo Harkless. Wow, not bad. 26 from Davion Mitchell, 10 for Terry Halliburton, and 17 from my guy Damian Jones. No Darren Fox this game. And last but not least the game that was the most fun to watch by my standards last night, the Lakers and the Clippers, the battle of the L.A. You know, every time you watch this game, it's like watching a Chargers and Raiders game. Obviously, more Raiders fans than not, but these guys over here cheering for the Lakers as they're, as they're coming back. It's crazy. It's crazy. Seriously. They're cheering, and then when the, the Clippers make a big bucket, they're cheering. Like, who's really cheering on this spot? Like, what's, what's going on? Seriously. But anyways, what a narrow-biter win for the Clippers 111 to 110. After having a double-digit lead in the second half, Lakers stormed back, but it was not enough. A lot of lead changes in the in the final two minutes, but was not enough. All right, 29 points from my guy Marcus Morris. Wow, have yourself a day, big guy. 20 points from Serge Ibaka. Yes, he had a lot of easy buckets last night too. Did his thing. 25 points and the go-ahead game-winning field goal from Reggie Jackson. Okay. He was over here high-stepping, skipping. He pointed to Terrence Mann to come set the screen. Yes, put me on Austin Reeves. Put me on Austin Reeves and let me go get a bucket, you know. But a lot of people are saying that. Russell Westbrook should have came on the double a little bit quicker. didn't happen. But, you know, that prompted to the easy go-ahead bucket by Reggie Jackson and 10 off the bench from Luke Kennard. Okay, for the Lakers. In their losing effort, we had 30 points from Anthony Davis, 17 boards, have yourself a day, big buy, big guy. 17 points from Russell Westbrook, not bad shooting as well, too. Six rebounds, four assists. 21 points from Malik Monk. And off the bench, more of a cohesive, complementary unit, uh, community unit, the most guys score points with Taylor, Taylor, Horton, Tucker for nine. Not too bad. But Anthony Davis misses the go-ahead floater, and they lose that game. And right now they are in the what uh ninth seed, yes, ninth seed, and two both of these teams are playing some bad basketball, but say whatever you want. Some of them are not, not his fault, some of them is this fault, whatever. All right, let's get into tonight's actions. That is actually going on right now as we speak, and some who have concluded. So, um, Cavs and Hornets have concluded. Cavs won one-point win on the road against the Hornets. Um, we have the likes of Jared Allen scoring 29 points. We have the likes of, wow, 25 points off the bench from Kevin Love. Kevin Love. Can you believe that? Um, and 12 points from my guy Brandon Goodwin. Wow. Okay. Not bad. For the Hornets, 24 points from Terry Rozier. 15 from Lonzo Ball. I mean, Lamella Ball. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Big sorry. <laughs> All right. Um, 12 points from uh, Miles Bridges. And 21 off the bench from uh, Kelly Oubre Jr. But in the end, the Hornets lose at home. Okay. Now we have the likes of the Celtics getting the job done on the road against the Pistons. Once again, back-to-back losses for the Pistons. Um, Pistons have the likes of 21 apiece from Hamdu Diallo and Sadiq Bey and 10 for Jeremy Grant. Celtics, we had 24 points from Tatum. Um, We had nine rebounds from him too as well. 13 from Jalen Brown and off the bench 12 from Richardson. My God, Jay Rich. Yes, sir. You know the Celtics are actually playing some good basketball lately. I mean, they blew us out. That's one. But two, I'm still holding out hope that this team doesn't make the playoffs because I absolutely despise the Celtics. But for what it's worth, they are now four games over 500 and still in that play-in spot, but we'll see what happens. I still do believe and I am predicting that they will not make the playoffs this season, but we'll see what happens. The Bulls win against the Pacers Apparently, Ayo the Sumo has this ice clutch, iceer dunk to end the game. Pretty much, 122 win for them over the 115 Pacers on the road. 36 points and 17 boards from Vucevic. Wow, have yourself another big day, another big night, big boy. 31 points from Demar Derozan, 16 from Javante Green, and 15 from Ayo the Sumo and 14 assists. Wow, that is tough. That is tough. 42 points though for Karis Levert. Wow. Ice cold. 21 points from my guy, Terry Taylor. I never heard of this guy before. Okay, do your thing, though. Do your thing. And 14 boards too for a shooting guard. Okay. 12 points from Chris Warte. 17 off the bench from Dwayne Washington. All right, for the Hawks and the Raptors, Raptors get the win again at home this time. Um, 20, uh, 125 to 114 of the Raptors. Behind 33 points from Pascal Siakam, 16 from Scott Barnes, 26 from Fred Van Vliet, 11 assists, 19 points from Gary Trent Jr. and almost another night of double figure scoring from every starter. Ananobi had eight points, 10 rebounds though, not too bad for the Hawks. 23 points from John Collins, 23 from uh, DeAndre Hunt. uh, uh, Sorry, yeah, DeAndre Hunter, uh, 22 from Trey Young and 18 off the bench from Bogdanovich. Okay. Now that is all the games that are concluded right now as it stands. Rockets and the Spurs in the fourth Spurs are winning that, 117 to 94. Spurs are gonna take that for me. Uh, the Nets are getting blown out uh, on the road against the jazz. So 67 to 99 definitely going with, with the jazz here. Pelicans 70 and, and oh Pelicans and Nuggets, sorry. it's 75 76 in the third. Give me the nuggets. Uh, we have the Thunder and the Trailblazers in the second 24 to 19. Give me the uh, nah, give me the Trailblazers. And we have last but not least the Mavericks and the 76ers, 76s. Give me the Mavs here. And for Saturday and Sunday's matchups, I'll do that really quickly because obviously we don't really record on Saturday and Sunday unless we have to. But, um, you know, I'll give you guys a little spiel of how I think going into this weekend. We have Heat and Hornets. Give me the hmm. Give me the Obviously, Kyle Lowry's back. Knicks and Lakers. Actually, give me the Knicks here. Grizzlies and Magic. Give me the Grizz. Suns and Wizards. Give me the Suns. Sorry, Wizards. Bucks and Trailblazers. Give me the Bucks. Thunder and Kings. Give me the Kings here. And for Sunday's matchups, Philly and Bulls. I love that matchup. Give me the Bulls, though. Give me the Bulls. Pistons and Tims. Give me the Tims. Nets and Nuggets. Hmm. Give me the Nuggets. Pacers and Cavs. Give me the Cavs. Celtics and Magic. Give me the Magic. No, give me the Celtics Hawks and Mavericks, give me the Mavs. Pelicans and Rockets, give me the give me the Rockets, give me the Rockets. And last but not least, the Bucks and the Clippers, give me the freaking Bucks. Sorry, Clippers. <laughs> but guys, there you have it for today's episode. Episode episode. Yeah, yeah. Make sure to continue to support NBS, to support your guy Eddie, to support Game Breakers, to tune in every week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and be prepared for Tuesday. Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday if I don't record on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. But we are always here every week to give you guys the spiel and the showdown for sports. Keep on doing your thing. Everyone, keep on grinding. Be safe. It's your boy Edwin. Have a great weekend, and I am out. Peace.